The Culinary Institute of St. Louis offers students a hands-on education leading to an associate degree or diploma in culinary arts. The goal is to create an environment where students graduate with technical, artistic, and business skills needed for a career in the culinary industry. Students have three hours a day of hands-on kitchen instruction. An 18-month associate degree and a 12-month diploma is available. Learn more at www.ci-stl.org. Where do parents go for help when they suspect that their child is taking drugs? What signs and symptoms should we watch for? How can parents find resources that will help? And what should we do when we know our child is on drugs? My guest today is Linda Herman. Linda is a licensed professional counselor that works for Marriage and Family Institute. She has an extensive background in helping teens and their families. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks, Linda, for being my guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, before we get started with this topic, just uh, give a little overview to our listeners about some of the places and areas that you've worked in this area of helping teens and their families dealing with drugs. Right now I'm in private practice, as you mentioned, at Marriage and Family Institute. In the past, I've been in a couple different workplaces. Um, I was fortunate enough to work at Hazelden in Minneapolis, outside Minneapolis and Minnesota, which is a world-renowned treatment center for teenagers, um, adults too, but I was at the teen center. I worked in their family program there and got to work a lot with parents who were in this very topic, trying to figure out how to help their child. Um, I've also worked at a couple local hospitals in the chemical dependency units, and I've worked on a couple crisis hotlines as a supervisor, and and I worked at an alternative high school here in St. Louis as well. Wonderful. So you have a lot of experience, and I know uh, the listeners are going to learn and grow. Some of them may not need this topic, but probably everyone in our listening audience knows someone that's dealing with the topic of drugs. They may not know it yet, right. but um, just to become equipped. But I know there are some of our listeners that are dealing with this. Their mm-hmm. child or their grandchild or someone they love is involved with drugs or they think they might be involved with drugs. So let's begin there. Uh, how do uh, teenagers get involved in drugs? Gosh, there's so many theories about this and there's so many, I guess, avenues for kids to get involved. There's, um, and I would hate to to put it on any one area, but there certainly is an emotional kind of self-esteem um, part to it that, you know, some kids don't feel like they fit in. They feel like they have stress. Um, they try their first drink or their first drug and feel calm and feel that pit in their stomach go away. And they think, oh, this is great. You know, for some kids, it's peer pressure. They get around the wrong group um, and that group can talk them into something. Um, The availability certainly isn't to be ignored. It's pretty easy to get a hold of drugs right now. So and it's cheap. Um, We live in a pretty affluent time. So there are a lot of kids that you would not imagine that would be involved, but they have plenty of disposable income of their own. So I guess there's there's not any one specific answer. Yeah, but there's lots of ways. That's mm-hmm. um, sad that it's so easy to get a yeah. hold of drugs. 
Um, what should a parent do or a grandparent when they think something isn't quite right with their teenager? What are some of the things they can do to check out to see if they might be on drugs? I guess the first thing I would say is to try to communicate with your teenager. And, you know, being a parent of a teenager myself, I know that sometimes that's difficult uh-huh. uh, to try and talk to them. Um, I find that the biggest part of that is just being available when they're ready. So that means kind of dropping my agenda and whatever I want to do or say and just listening. So for some kids, if you're worried, but it's not a huge worry, you might just try being more available, opening up the subject to talk about it a little bit, asking them what their um, feelings are about kids in their school that are using and kind of watching their reaction to see. Um, I guess it depends on how worried you are. If you Mm -hmm. see a lot of behavioral changes, and I know we could could go into that too. Um, If you see a lot of behavioral changes, maybe you want to step that up a little bit and not just talk to them, but you want to maybe talk to somebody who has experience with that. Or I know we're also going to reference National Council of Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. We might as well. Sure. They're a great resource. resource. Yep. Both online and they have people that you can talk to. So different levels of involvement for a parent depending on how worried they are. Okay, good. Well, let's talk for a minute about some of the signs and symptoms that parents or grandparents or loved ones might watch for. And let's start with the physical issues that might come up. So physical is sometimes the toughest. So with each of these drugs, there are different physical things that will show up. So that's why it's so hard to answer any of these questions specifically, because if they're using an amphetamine, they're going to look very different than a kid who's smoking a lot of marijuana. Mm. So you could see anything from uh, dilated pupils, um, kind of off behavior. When I say that, I mean off from their normal behavior. That's sometimes physical in that their walk is different, their speech is slurred, um, other physical symptoms might be um, they, they could have a, some type of rash, certainly an odor. If they were smoking marijuana, you might smell something funny that you're not used to smelling. Um, their speech could be quicker than normal or opposite. It could be slowed down. Um, I think what you're really looking for is something different than their normal. Okay. Not normal compared to other kids, but normal compared to your child that you know or your grandchild. Okay, good. Now, what about symptoms related to emotional so, again, tough to answer, but... Um, because they are, if we're talking about teenagers, they are teenagers, right. <laughs> and many of these symptoms overlap, and so you can't just yeah. say, oh, they have this symptom, they must be on drugs. Exactly. Right. So it would be part of a bigger thing you probably were looking at with your child, but some severe ups, some severe downs, um, not being able to get out of bed in the morning, crying more easily, um, being more argumentative, fighting you know, with their parents more or breakups with friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. And as I'm speaking this, I'm realizing that those are all, again, symptoms of sure. being a teenager. I know. Yeah. Um, so just alone, just be careful it's really that hard you don't to tell. make the wrong decision. Yeah. Absolutely. What about school and educational issues? So we often see grades drop. We see um, their academic performance slip. We might see them, we might hear from maybe the school or their teachers saying that they're a little more withdrawn than normal um, or that they're tired more than normal in the classroom. Again, that could have other reasons for it. I mean, it may be that they're up late at night in their room on their devices and not sleeping, but um, those would be some of the things that might show up in in the school. Tardiness, anything out of normal. Again, something that's Uh not normal for that child should be a red flag Okay, for something. Good. Now, how do we, what should parents do to strive to keep their kids off drugs? 
So interestingly enough, one of the things that you and I were talking about before was that having dinner with your kids sounds so simple, but I think it's also metaphorical for a relationship with your kids. If you want to keep your kid off drugs, and in reverse, I'm not blaming the parents because it's the child is we making decisions. We don't want to blame right. the parents. Yeah, don't, absolutely. A lot of times, parents or grandparents that find out their kids are on drugs, they're afraid to tell anyone because right. they think it's their fault and it isn't. Absolutely. So I'm not blaming the parents at all. But when a kid has not yet tried drugs, on drugs, one of the most powerful deterrents for using drugs is their relationship with their family. Mm-hmm. Parents who aren't afraid to talk about using drugs, parents who aren't afraid to make it a mandatory thing that we sit down to X number of meals a week together as a family. Um, parents that will just start the conversation about drugs and alcohol and say, you know, I, I want you to be open with me or here are my thoughts. In fact, um, the NCADA that we referenced has a has some statistics. And one of the some of the striking statistics are things like um, that a kid who a parent who shows their disapproval of a kid using marijuana will be, I think it was 80 percent less likely to use marijuana. So, you know, it's really important that we put our voices out there as parents and say, we don't approve of this. Um, Here's why our family doesn't do this. This is our value system. We want to be here for you. And I think personally, and this is something that I've done is I, I try to give my daughter an out. So when she's in those tough situations, she can blame me. Mm. I try to say to her, you know, Hey, if you're ever in an uncomfortable situation, you can say things like, my mom would kill me if I did that. Or oh, yeah. some parents will drug test their kids. Yeah, Even though they don't yeah. think their kids are using, they'll drug test them because it gives the kid a reason to say, I can't use because my parents randomly drug test oh, me. My goodness. So that's a family decision. But um, those are ways that I think as parents we can really prevent our kids from getting involved. Okay. And probably the best is to have that good relationship with them. Yeah. Sit down and eat meals together. Did you mm-hmm. say it's four or five times five a week? Five is the the one that I saw the statistic on, but yeah. I think anything is better than nothing. Sure, absolutely. When they get to be older teenagers, you know, they're often going and they've got their own car and they're, mm-hmm. I know it's hard to get my sure. family to sit down and eat yeah. together. No, I remember it's a, that. It's really a it lot of work. Difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I guess that uh, parents need to do, especially if they're thinking that their child is on drugs, is to listen to them. And if they find out they are, to mm-hmm. control their anger yeah. Before they start talking to them, they need right. to sit down and talk to them. Let's say um, they have now figured out that their child is on drugs. What do they need to do? Do they they don't go in and get angry with them and start fighting with them? Right. What are some of the things a parent can do when they find out? Maybe they just found out by picking up their backpack and something mm-hmm. fell out. Mm-hmm. Some. Uh, paraphernalia, but are maybe the drugs themselves. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said not to get reactive. Um, It's hard to do. Oh, Oh my gosh. (laughs) It is really hard to do. But I think reacting, being angry or highly emotional at that moment is not going to help you communicate with your kid. It's not going to help your child listen to you, certainly. Um, they're going to be afraid and getting defensive and protecting their stash or their drug problem or whatever it is at that point, and they're not going to hear you. So I think before you do anything, um, unless you feel like their life is in immediate danger, mm-hmm. like like overdose at the moment kind right, of thing, right. then we wouldn't wait. We would call 911. 
But um, if you suspect something or you think something, I think first I would talk to somebody who knows a little bit about this. I think I would reach out to the NCADA or a counselor or someone that you know that may be in your church or a friend that has had dealt with some of this and just try to bounce some ideas off somebody first and see if what you're suspecting could really be true. And there's a big difference between a kid who's tried marijuana once and a kid who is regularly using, say, cocaine. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't want to overreact, and I'm not saying that using marijuana is a good thing. (laughs) I'm just saying that, you know, there is a difference between the kid who's tried something once and the kid who has a drug habit. So how we react is going to be different according to that. So I think, number one, I would get educated. Okay. And I would do that partly by reaching out to somebody, and I would learn about the drugs that I suspect the kid is using, and I would learn about what to do as a parent of a child who I think is using drugs. And then I would be ready to sit down and talk to the kid. And whether that is just you yourself or um, you with your husband or wife or you want to bring a professional into that, um, I know that even the NCADA will set up an intervention for you if it's that serious. Treatment centers often have people that will talk to you on the phone and give you advice about that too. And we have a couple here in St. Louis. So I would get myself informed before I made any moves with the kids. So you're going to sit down with your teenager. Mm -hmm. You're pretty sure they're on something, but... I wouldn't have a clue of knowing um, what kind of drugs yeah. a child was on. Um, so what do you say to them? Well, I think I would say I'm, I would stick with myself. Okay. I would talk about how concerned I was, right. that I was afraid. I was really scared. I found something that I don't understand. I don't really know a lot about drugs, but I want to talk to you about this because this isn't something that I want to see you do. Mm-hmm. I'm really worried about you. And then I would listen. Okay. And see what they have to say. And not yell at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they may deny the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a parent, you may choose to drug test them at that point and say, well, you know, I really believe strongly that I found something that looks like drugs. And because it is our family value not to do this, um, we're going to be implementing a drug policy in the house where we test you once a month or something like that. That's good information. I want to make a few announcements mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and continue talking about what we do and where those resources are uh, if our child or someone we love has gotten involved with drugs. Today, Family Shield is giving away two booklets, Out of the Shadows and Self-Control in an Addictive World. To receive the booklets, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416 or email us at witness2family at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us your complete name and address. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield. Go to the Thrivent website, www.thrivent.com or slash Thrivent Choice, or call them and they'll help you. They'll walk you through it, 1-800-847-4836. If you've already signed up, remember that you must re-sign up each year before March 31st. Why not consider putting Family Shield Ministry into your will or trust? We have brochures that will explain numerous ways that you can do this. We can also connect you to an LCMS Foundation counselor that specializes in estate planning. There's no cost. Email us at witness2family at gmail.com to learn more. And uh, we'll uh, connect you to the foundation. Tell us you're listening. Share prayer requests 
and program suggestions by sending information to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Uh, Now I want to go back to my guest, Linda Herman. Uh, One of the resources that she mentioned was uh, www.ncada-stl.org. Tell us again a little bit more about them and why you recommend that website. Well, National Council of Alcoholism and Drug Abuse is a kind of a one-stop resource for um, not only families that are looking for information on drugs and alcohol for their teenagers, but even counselors. They put on continuing education for us. Um, They're just a wealth of resources. They do interventions. They have counselors on staff, too. And um, they can just help with any question through their website or by talking to somebody about some of the things we're talking about today. You know, what signs and symptoms do you look for and what do I do next when I think I've found something and so they're just kind of a good place to start and they can refer also good now right before i made those announcements you talked about sitting down with your teenager Mm -hmm. and maybe even um having a drug test Mm -hmm. um they would have to go to a doctor to have that done correct there are some labs around that will do them without an appointment you can also now order home drug tests you can buy them online i was looking up resources and there was one called testcountry.com. Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily recommending them. I just know that they're a site that you can order a drug test. And they, the drug tests have become pretty sophisticated. And you can pick which drugs you want to test for. Or you can trust, test for all drugs. And some families use that as okay. a um, preventative. And some people use it when their child has used and is now trying to stay sober. They use that as an extra thing to try and help them stay sober. So. Because a lot of times the teenagers, especially if they're on... Uh, drugs and maybe even some of the more harder drugs, I guess Mm -hmm. I would say, will lie, won't they? They'll say, no, I'm not using. You know, we were talking about signs and symptoms before, and part of the behavioral stuff that we look for is lying. Um, If you think about it this way, that the person's drug is now their best friend. Mm -hmm. It is the thing that they want to protect. It is the thing they love because they feel like they can't function without it. So they will do anything to protect that, that relationship with their drugs. So that includes lying, stealing, leaving school early, breaking other kind of value oriented, um, you know, things that they have had all their lives. So yeah, they do lie. They steal. um, and, And the mistake that it's easy to make as a parent or someone who loves somebody on drugs is to think that it's really personal against you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, not. It's about their addiction. It's about the drug and their fear that they will lose that one thing that makes them feel good. Yeah. And so that becomes stronger at that moment than their values. And so they will lie and they will steal. They will skip classes. They will do things they normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. So back when we were talking about signs and symptoms, I think those behavioral kinds of symptoms are probably a little more easier to spot than the red eyes or the giggling or mm-hmm. the weight loss. Sometimes those take longer to see because, again, teenage behavior. Yeah. You can giggle. You can, sure. you know, be kind of silly. Yeah. So we also don't want parents to enable right. their teenagers. Um, what do parents do that enable teenagers that are on mm-hmm. drugs? So enabling in a broader definition, I guess, is doing things for people that they could do for themselves. Mm. This is a little tougher line with kids than it is with other adults because 
by definition, a parent is supposed to do some things for their child until they're old enough to do them themselves, right? So um, what we are enabling when we make the decisions and the choices for, especially an older teen, and that's usually who we're dealing with with drugs as a teenager, right? Not a not a little kid. Mm-hmm. So um, they're at the age that they should be going out on their own and having increased more and more and more responsibility. When we start calling into school because the kid is too sick to get out of bed in the morning, when we start doing their homework for them, which some parents do, when we start calling teachers and making excuses, when we start giving them more money because um, we suspect something, but they lost, they quote, lost their allowance or so we give them more money than, you know, when we start just in general kind of um, making life too easy for a kid that used to be able to do it themselves. I think we're not letting the consequences hit them then, and that would be enabling. I know for some, getting um, the help they need uh, once they're on drugs can be difficult. When is it time to uh, go with your teenager to a professional or even to a treatment center? I think this is a good question and a hard question. Uh Um, It's good because I think we do tend to react, as we talked about before, and we maybe sometimes jump the gun and want to run that kid who's tried pot one time right into a program. And that's where I think you need to involve a professional. Whether you go see your counselor yourself as a parent to try and make sure you find somebody who has a strong history and some work working in substance abuse Mm -hmm. Um, and you go just yourself as a parent and say, okay, I think I found this on my child or I think I see these signs and symptoms what should I be doing next? Is it time for me to take them to a treatment center or should I be bringing them in here and we'll talk? Mm -hmm. Um, And do parents usually come with the teenager to to a professional counselor? um, They could, but I really think it's a good idea for the parents to get their own help Uh because I think we struggle a lot with enabling. As Mm -hmm. you said, Mm -hmm. we don't want to see our kids fail. We don't want to, we want to pick them up and dust them off and say, I know you can do this. I believe in you. Mm -hmm. You can get off these drugs or you can stop using. And the kid, of course, will tell you, yes, I can. (laughs) Um, So it's real easy to slip. And parents need to learn from somebody who is a professional how to separate what they need to be doing for their kid to keep them safe and what they should be doing, which keeps them from using. You know, I mean, there are there's a fine line there. Yeah. So I think it's helpful to have someone outside the situation like to a professional give to give advice. you some advice. Mm-hmm. So the kids can come with the parent, but I suggest that the parent go by themselves first just to get their own um, plan in mind, yeah. what their own treatment plan for themselves. It's just as important that the parents get help okay. as the child. Okay, that's good. That's good information. And uh, we talked a little bit earlier about sometimes the, the child is dealing with a low self-esteem it might just be a stress or just another family issue that they want to escape that mm-hmm. causes them to get involved in drugs. And sometimes they probably won't be truthful if the parents are in that counseling session with them, right? That's true. Um, when I see teenagers in my office, I often spend most of the time with the teenager, if the t- teenager is my client, and then bring the parents maybe in for a few minutes. But I always try to talk my teenagers into telling their parents the things that I feel like Mm -hmm. the parents need to know. know. I have a confidentiality agreement with that child, even though they're a child that I can't tell their parents anything unless they're going to hurt themselves. So it's a tricky situation, but somebody who's done this for a while should have no problem walking that line, letting parents know what the parents need to know and also helping the child build a trusting relationship with them. Good. Now, 
success rate of them stopping the drugs is it depend on what type of drugs they're on? How important is it that the teenager themselves want to stop? I mean, nobody can force anybody right. to stop other than, you know, putting them in jail, taking the money away. Um, how important is that self-realization, I need to stop this? It's pretty important. There are a lot of variables in stopping. In some ways, as when there are kids, we have a little bit more influence over them than we do if there's an adult. Mm-hmm. Involved. Um, we can set the rules about how we want our household to be, and we can ask the child to live under those rules. And we can control how much how we use our money or resources, I guess. So that's your money, your time, your car. You've got control over that. And so you can make it a lot harder for them to use. But when they leave, when they grow up, then it's their then choice. It's their choice. So while you're making it hard for them, though, that is when you can seek help for yourself and for your child. And hopefully along the way, they're going to make some good decisions a lot of kids, when they start using, are not addicted right away. Okay, okay. So there is a lot of – sometimes some there's time. time. Yeah. And if we can just get the kid to see how this is hurting them, not just physically, but how it's a bad choice for their academics or it's mm-hmm. a – you know, that or their can, future. Right. Yeah. And that can come through counseling. That can come yeah. through parents' guidance. So if you can make the right decisions around how you want your household to be and how you want to use your resources, that can – help a child make the right decisions. Once they're out of the house, it's a little tougher. Yeah. But we still, if they're going away to college or if they're getting any kind of um, financial assistance from their parents, they still have, the parents still have some leverage. Okay, good. Well, I have two minutes left. Okay. So let me just ask you for any closing thoughts, something that we needed to share that we didn't. A couple resources that I have found really helpful um, that are just general resources but certainly mm-hmm. will help parents who are dealing with this is there's a, a book called Boundaries for Teens by um, Townsend is the author, and it deals with all kinds of boundaries, but it does have some specific stuff in there on drugs. Um, And then uh, there's one called Why Do They Act This Way by David Walsh, and I find that is probably my favorite book for working with teenagers. It talks a lot about brain chemistry. It does talk about what drugs do to the brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. When I talked about parents getting educated, I think something like that is one of the best things you can do. And you also mentioned to me Celebrate Recovery, which is a mm-hmm. group here in St. Louis. It's a national group. It's a and national there are chapters group. Okay, in great. St. Louis, right? It's a Christian it is. group. Mm-hmm. It's similar to AA, mm-hmm. um, but the steps that they work are definitely faith-based, Christian, Christ-centered steps. And uh, parents can go to that, and so can the kids. Right, good. We will put some of these resources on our recommended links on the Family Shield website, www familyshieldministries.com. And um, again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. My guest has been Linda Herman. I think the topic and the information has been excellent. I know everybody has different needs related to this, but some of those resources that we share are really going to help you. Again, don't forget www.ncada-stl.org. That's going to have a lot of good resources that you can download and learn more and also get in contact with some of the people. Our time is up. Again, Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Uh, We're thankful that you've been listening. Tune in again next time. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230-015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.